Today's episode of Inside the Wires is brought to you by Xenon Paddle. All Xenon Paddles have been designed and engineered by a paddle player right here in the USA. Take your game to the next level. Play with Xenon. For more information, visit xenonpaddle.com. Welcome to Inside the Wires, hands down, the best podcast in all of racket sports. Listener discretion may be advised for a younger audience. We are back. I'm Ben, that's Noah. We are Inside the Wires, and on today's show, we have four-time, that's four-time national champion, Noah, Drew Broderick. Uh, he comes on, he's been on a number of times with us. He comes and he's going to talk about PFP, all these new young upstarts in paddle, uh, and some other stuff. Halloween, Halloween's the big one that Drew likes to talk about. So this is a good episode. Check it out. We'll see you. All right, we're back. It's been a while, but we are excited to have a, uh, a, don't know, a fairly regular guest sometimes, Drew Broderick, mm-hmm. uh, three-time national champion, the pride of Canoebra Country Club. And uh, Drew, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Noah. Great to be on. And actually, since you just introduced me, I I got another national championship. So now I have four, actually. <laughs> Oh, what was the fourth one? What did I miss? 2017, I think. Wait, 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 which? You got three with Jared, right? Yeah. What was the fourth? The first one with Chris Gambino. Oh, with Gambino. Sorry. Gambi, Gambi, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't paying attention much then. Sorry, that's, that's on me. Well, you didn't right. have these hobbies back then. So. I didn't have I didn't have any hobbies going on. So you were actually a newcomer to the game. So back yes. in the day, Noah, yeah, I actually true. won a national championship. Uh, well, I know you won. You won lots of them. So that's good. That's yeah. good. Well, yeah. we're. I stand corrected. I'm. I. It's too much work to edit that cool. out. So we'll just call you a four-time national champion instead of uh, instead of whatever I said before. But uh, that for now, we'll see what happens in the future. That's uh, maybe six. Who knows? By the time we're all said and done, right? Yeah, let's what, not uh, <laughs> outdo ourselves here. Hey, hey, real quick, have you uh, have you spoken to Gamby recently? So Chris, uh, Chris, and I are on a text message along with Dave O'Miller. Uh-huh. The very first match Chris and I ever played together, we played Hinsdale, uh, Hinsdale Invitational. Back in maybe 2010 or nine, I don't even remember. And it was the first tournament. Chris didn't play with Dave, he played with me. And Chris and I stayed at Dave's house. And Dave basically, although he did play in the tournament, I think he either played with Mark Johnson or Scott Manzinger, he basically coached me on how to handle Chris. (laughs) And we've been on a text loop since then wow so it's pretty cool now is it 2009 still, is that the, that the last time that the the east coast guys used to come to chicago for for you know a tournament that wasn't charities um that's actually a great question no actually steve derose and i came out after that for hensdale All right. um so g- give us some perspective because obviously well i guess now there's so many tournaments right uh you don't really have to go too far but you know, obviously, I think um, you you rarely see people from the Midwest go out east for tournaments unless it's a real big one for the most part. But certainly, certainly don't see the East Coast people come out to Chicago as much for tournaments. When when do you think that kind of happened? I think the crossover um, was. I'm not exactly sure what year, but I would say there was a time when all the East coast players would always support Chicago charities. Um, Probably not so much Hinsdale because Hinsdale always seemed like more of a Chicago or Midwest tournament only. And then a handful of us would go out there to support it, whether it was because we had partners that were also in Chicago or whatever it was. But um, 
I feel like there was a crossover when Chicago had a lot of the top players um, and, and the East Coast didn't. So we were always going to chase points in Chicago. And as we kind of took that over, we never saw the reciprocal in tournaments like the Atlanta Classic, Short Hills Invitational, um, Long Island, just anything that was on the East Coast. We, we really didn't see um you know the payback and at that point um you know what our our tournaments became stronger and you know all the pros talk and it just became a thing in which um you know what go to chicago at our own convenience and you know no no you know no malice but at the same time we didn't feel like we owed anything to anybody sure so, and and so, I could and I could say this. Speaking about that, coming back from Pittsburgh right now, there were so many players that were in Pittsburgh that we feel like we owe the Pittsburgh players for supporting everybody's tournaments, not just the East mm-hmm. Coast, but but Chicago. Like, and I could say Scott Kaler and and I mean for years Casey Watt and Philippe and Mike Wagner and you know I I I don't want to miss anybody, but all the Pittsburgh players are the greatest guys. They, they're the greatest sports. They travel everywhere. Their next closest tournament from Steel City is Cleveland, which is just insane to me. Um, so that's a tournament I plan on going every year because they just do a, such a good job supporting everyone else. Right. Hey, can you give some perspective? Obviously, you've played for a while in national-level events. Um, you know, now I think with all the live streaming that's going on, you know, you, you can see something – every other weekend, if not every weekend now, but it, obviously it wasn't like that 15 years ago. So how many, how many tournaments were there like that, that, that people would actually travel to for things like that? How, how often or how many tournaments a year would there be that would be bigger national level tournaments like that 15 years ago? What do you mean? That just tournaments? Well, like, people- like, well like, like you talked about going to Hinsdale, obviously, you know, um, like, which is for those who aren't from Chicago is a, is a, is a suburb of Chicago, but like a tournament like that, or obviously charities has always been a bigger one, but how many tournaments uh, would there be on a national level that you'd get guys actually from out of the area for like 15 years ago, 12 years ago? Um, I would say uh, from like the East coast uh, standpoint, it would be Cincinnati Midwesterns. It'd be charities. And then you'd have some kind of like offsetting tournaments like the Lagunitas you do for fun or um, um, I mean, then you have like road trips, you go up to Boston, like that would be considered, you know, a travel tournament. Um, and that's, but, that's mo- but, but most of the tournaments were usually pretty regional for the most part. Yeah. 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 Just it's just kind of interesting. I think people who have started paying attention more to national level tournaments in the last, you know, four or five years, kind of just think maybe it's always been that way. But I think, well, I, I know we we didn't let you know the questions of what we're going to talk about before you came on, but uh, not to blow smoke up your ass. But uh, I I think that a lot of people in paddle probably owe you a debt of gratitude. Um, you know, with what you what you started with Pro Flight and the the quality of 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 events that you put on you know i know like nobu nobu put on nobu and sam byram helped put on the uh the baltimore open this year which was an amazing tournament and first year doing it but i think drew the the stuff that you started doing the pro flight just you know was like another level compared to a lot of other tournaments out there and the the crowd involvement and things like that and certainly the prize money too and i think again people looking now they see the purses that are out there uh, for for the top players and and obviously paying for some of their expenses with winning tra- with with winning some tournaments or finishing highly in the tournaments, you know you started that what five years ago obviously with with Pro Flight uh, and what you did and uh, like any like any good idea got copied and uh, you know and the APTA uses that now, so kudos to you for that that was uh, that was unscripted but that was that was some good stuff that you obviously started and just just kind of brought things to a whole nother level. Cool. I, I appreciate that. And uh, just just a side note, I got a call from Johan and I don't know if it was at the start of the pandemic or around that time. And he had asked me, he said, you know, 
what are you going to do? Because by the way, the first year of, of pro flight, Johan, I think, played every event. And that's when he and Stephen Mitchell first started playing. And, uh, and he said, you know, I'm just calling you at a concern like, what are you going to do with pro flight? Because if the APTA decides to do it, like, are you going to be able to compete? And just to put it out there, I only started pro flight because the APTA just didn't want to do that sort of thing. And I just felt like every sport, the top players need to be put on a pedestal and not for their own personal um, interests, but because the thousands and thousands of club players that play the game on a daily basis, they love watching the highest level play like every other sport. So that was, that was my reason for starting pro flight. It really wasn't even for the players. Pro flight is a fair weather event. If you notice when the weather's not good, we cancel the event. When the event, when the weather's great, it's on. Why? Because it's about the spectators, not the players. If you happen to look at the last few tournaments, finals have been played in the rain and everything else. It goes on. It's not about the players. Pro flight, uh, pro flight tour. It's simply about the spectators and them having a great night watching four hours of paddle. So that's, that's what it started as. And that's what it still is. And we keep kind of tweaking it. So we'll see what happens this Thursday. Actually, I have an event at Canoebrook at six o'clock and, uh, we have eight great players from Connecticut, New Jersey, and uh, it should be fun. Well, I, I think we, we probably I, won't uh, get this episode out till Friday, so we'll probably be after the Thursday event. But what, what, do, what do you have coming up after that, too? Give it a little plug. Okay, we have uh, January 6th at Mendham Golf Club in, in New Jersey. We have February 3rd at Knickerbocker Club, Marco Grangeros, the uh, director there. Mm-hmm. Um and then we are working on a few more, just don't have dates yet, at Lehigh Country Club. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. You know, real quick, what I really drew, what I really like about the, those one-day events, I often feel, you know, sometimes at the APTA, those, the, the Sunday morning almost feels like a little bit of a letdown. Like there's, there's less people there. I love the Saturday night under the lights, the best players going at it. And then the Sunday morning, there's like, sometimes you watch it and there's like three men and a guy walking his dog and you're like, oh, those are the best guys in the tournament have worked their ass off to get there. And then there's no one there. Actually, Nobu, you guys did a good job in Baltimore getting the guys out. But some of these tournaments, I almost feel like the, the, the best guys get let down a little bit by, you know, there's no one there to watch the final. It's that that Saturday night quarterfinal, semifinal is always the best part to me. So, you know, I always enjoyed your tournaments. It's the best players. It's one night and everyone goes at it. Yeah. So it's funny. On my ride home from Pittsburgh today, I thought the exact same thing. I mean, I thought about this a lot of times, but actually today I had had a good thought. Um, I, I feel like, like in each area, like you have – very strong men's leagues, women's leagues. I feel like if you put, whether it's the men or the women's league, put them in charge of spectators on Saturday and spec, and then the other league spectators on Sunday, and they have to drum up their crew. And those are yep. their event, their own side kind of competitive events. I think you could blow it out of the water. I think when you put people on a committee to, to get things done, they do it. I think, I think our community is surrounded by a ton of people who know how to get things done. Um, and when, when you put them in a position of taking ownership to it, I think we would get the results that, um, we expect the funniest thing ever is the year. I think it was the year, uh, Powers and Hughes beat Jared and I. We were going for a four-peat in Chicago. And Powers Hughes beat us in the finals. That year, we played in the finals of Long Island. And I think we were the one and two teams in the country or close enough. Could have been two and three. I don't know. We were playing in the finals. And the only two people – oh, actually, no. There were like six people watching. It was Vince, 
my mom, <laughs> the tournament director, and the umpire. And I drove home and I was like, this is horrible. Why are matches played like with nobody watching? And I mean, for the four of us, it was a great match, but right. it's, a, it's a little disappointing. So there's probably, your, probably no live point, streaming. To your either. point, I think there should be people in charge of making Sunday great because the people who make Saturday great, I don't, I wouldn't put that on them to make Sunday great because Saturday is a job in itself. Which, which no, I also just, give credit to a lot of the tournaments. And and by the way, Nobu, I wish I was at Baltimore. Um, it was a Halloween party that I could not miss, and I told Sam that. Uh, otherwise, and I even tried to see if I could make it work, but I couldn't. Well, you have you have a twelve month heads up now, so uh, hopefully you'll you'll be around uh, in in the in Charm City next year. Um, cool. I do want to piggyback on something that you said, though, because because I think your point of uh, making people in charge of, you know, make ensuring crowd support is there on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I give Sam a ton of credit for everything that he did, obviously, for the tournament. But one thing he was very uh, good at communicating was the importance to all the different clubs of promoting the tournament getting people excited about showing up and supporting not just on Saturday, but on Sunday, we were putting out programs for our members, Elk Ridge, Roll and Run, BCC, like everyone had uh, programs, communications that were going out, like felt almost daily about the tournament, the schedule, the players that were going to be there. Um, so I think you're spot on with your assessment of, Hey, you know, people should be in charge of uh, this event is not just the Saturday event, but, you know, come out and watch on Sunday because those are the guys and the women that have grinded all through the week or weekend um, to get to this last match. And you've got the two best teams of the tournament going at each other. And it's almost guaranteed to be a phenomenal match. So um, yeah. I think, I think uh, mm -hmm. that's a hundred percent correct. Um, I do have a question for Drew, actually. All right, Drew, Drew. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll let Nobu go. Everyone, this is Nobu, by the way. I don't think we introduced Nobu at the beginning. Nobu's joining us today. Go ahead, uh, Nobu. Is ProFlight something that you envision not just being something up north, you know, in that Jersey, Connecticut area, but, but maybe something that could be expanded in other regions? Yeah, so we've done we've done um, tournaments at um, Lehigh Country Club. We've done tournaments at Maniunk down in Philly. We've done Aronimink a couple times, also in Philly. So um, we've done Westchester Country Club. So we we branch out. We're open to any clubs that are up for it. In fact, we we had lined up um, Chicago believe it or not, guys, um, at Valley Low. We were, Mike Marino and I were planning on doing one, and then I don't know I don't know exactly why we didn't, but we were planning on it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pro Flight is, again, it's just very different from your normal paddle tournament. It is, as much as it's exhibition, it is still just as competitive because the players always have incentive to, um, you know, call close calls out and uh, uh, all that other good stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, listen, as I say to my commentators, just don't get me in trouble and have fun. So that's, that's the motto of pro flight. Cause when <laughs> I've watched, you know, it's cool to see players with, you know, their, their country's flags next to their names. And it has kind of a Davis cup feel to it, or at least, you know, watching on YouTube and uh, with how international I feel like the sport is becoming. Um, I just, I, I think that that model is really cool. And, and like I said, has this Davis cup feel, which is unique. Um, maybe some, some kind of Davis cup offshoot version of paddle would be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, players can represent, you know, their region, their country, whatever it might be. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. One one other thing I like about ProFlight is the fact that like I can make the rules <laughs> on the fly. Um, <laughs> not that I'm a control freak, right? No. But uh, I like to have fun. So, for example, I started doing in some events no ad scoring where the server chooses, and then all of a sudden I saw that pop up in an APTA event, and I said, "Wow, that's funny. Maybe a coincidence or not." But um, something like that, I was like, I put some thought into it and I said, hey, serving has always been a disadvantage in paddle. And in tennis, it's an advantage. Tennis, the returner gets to choose. Why wouldn't you let the server choose in paddle? So that was one thing that, hey, who knows, maybe in the future, more APTA events will, will go to it. Um, you know, this event, I'm contemplating the idea of on all the return games, me and my partner could decide what side we want to return from based on who the server is. So I don't know. I might or might not do that, but I think that would be also a cool idea oh, because do that. That's fine. I, I return lefties better from the do side. So if I'm playing against Chris Humphreys, I'll play the do side. If I'm playing against mm -hmm. Mick, I'll play the do side and I could crush my backhand off of their serves. But from their ad side, I can't return their serve that well. So we'll see. I might do that this Thursday. Well, you can't can't forget the pro flight breaker too. The fifteen point tiebreaker is fantastic. Yeah, 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 that. And it's so funny. Every time I talk to people about that, they they smile when I tell them sudden death. So pro flight breaker is we don't do full third sets anymore. We go first to fifteen and sudden death at fourteen all. So if you are the second server of the breaker, you are the guy. Do or die. So. Uh, do you, well, do you, but, do you but, remember but, any of the matches? There's one specifically that went to 14 all. Do you remember who, who someone actually faulted at 14 all after a long match? It's uh, a great match. I do, but I, I, I can't, I can't bash him for it. That was my partner. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. Martin and I, we were playing against uh -huh. Johan. Yep. <laughs> Martin and I were playing against Johan and Mark Powers at um, Aronimant Golf Club. And it was it was such a battle. It was a great match. And we were down mm -hmm. in the break. We might have been down, I don't know, 14-10 or 14-11. Battle back to 14-all. And Martin, who I will start I will start it with this. Martin basically has one of those serves that most people can't drive very well. Like anybody can't drive his serve very well. And the entire match, he didn't fall. <laughs> and I'm up at the net and all of a sudden the ball hits the net and I kind of stopped for a second because I said, I've been listening to his feet, his ball bounce and everything. And I timed it all to get ready for the volley, the entire match. And he was just, the ball hit the net way too quick. And I said to him after the match, I go, you quick served it. And he's like, I know I didn't want to think about it. And I go, but that means you thought about it. <laughs> so he quick served it. It was fault. It was a fault. No big deal. Uh -huh. We all we all moved on to the next day. Hey, hey you know, as long as no, you're, that was uh, a great you're, match. you're making the rules. Ben, ben has a suggestion that he's been trying to get in for a long time regarding serves. You remember what that was, Ben? On serves. Oh, uh, yeah. If you mean if you're serving and the other team hits the ball, this one. Yeah, yeah. If you're serving, um, and the other team hits the ball out of court, and there's a a delay, right? Someone has to go get the. This is the one you're talking about, right, Noah? No, the two serves. The two. You, you... Oh yeah, I think. Oh yeah, so that involved two serves too. That's another rule that I think should change. Yeah, let me go through that one first. <laughs> I think if you're playing, you're playing a game, and the other team hits the ball out of court and you're serving, and it takes a, a, a good deal of time for the other guy to go get the ball and come back, you should get two serves the first time back up to play for the delay of game. It wasn't your fault the ball went out and got wet or whatever. I think you should get two serves that how first about, how about after a ball about, going out of play. You just, how about you get a practice serve if you want? Yeah, Okay. Not bad. Uh, my other rule, the other one, I, 
The other one I like, I think it would speed the game up at the pro level if you allowed, not at the, not at the club level, because the club level, it would slow the game down unbelievably. It would be terrible. But at the pro level, I think you should allow two serves. Because they would then just, guys could try and crank the first serve or they'd just try something crazy and then they'd go to their regular serve for the second. But I think uh, it might speed the game up if you allowed two serves. Now, you get Martin, for example, when he hits that bomb of a serve uh, to the deuce side where he flips I, it I over think, to the I think, I think forehand grip be, and cranks it in there. I think that would be very interesting. Well, you have an event right? coming yeah, up yeah. The lap, you know, Hey, hey, there's always Thursday. I could throw that in. There you go. There you I go. I think it's a horrible suggestion for club players because it'd be fault, fault, like it. But for like pros to throw in like a massive kick or just aim one at the nick and just go all in at like a hundred something miles an hour, go for it, and then all they right, get so, their regular all right, stuff. Hold on. I think it makes it fun. This is the first time I'm going to do this. Do you want me to make that a rule for this Thursday's pro flight? Ooh, ooh that would be fun. That would be fun. He say he likes my idea. Well, uh, I, I think it's badass. Try it. <laughs> well, check it, it out with other guys. See what they think. If this no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't Friday. do that either. I don't. If this do that is Friday. Yes, it's not a democracy. It's a it's a benevolent dictatorship. So yes, you know, that's right. It's the this United States chance. of Drew. This All right, so chance. let's do it. So right now, inside the wires gets to decide. Do we do that for pro flight this week? I think you have to. I like it. Let's do it. No, it loves it. Ben's yeah. been talking about it for years. Let's uh, let's see what it does. I think uh -huh. that'll we'll be a great experiment. Goes. There we go. Fantastic. Who have you got? Wait, who have you got playing? You've got it's uh, you, um, your oh. assistant. Not he's not your assistant anymore, right, Danny? Yeah. So so the teams are. I'll be playing with Russell Benkheim, who just won Pittsburgh today. Yep. With uh, with Chris. Chris Humphreys will be playing with Tomas Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, Guillermo Nunez will be playing with Jose Salazar. Mm -hmm. And Daniil Tarantinov will be playing with Anthony Casamano. So those are our Ooh, four teams. teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two subs. Let's go for it. So we yeah. have all four lefty righty teams. I like it. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Here we go. And, and it'll uh, be live streamed. So we are not going to live stream this event. You have to be there. Oh, well, for those yeah. of us who 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 didn't make plans on short notice to get out there, now that we know there's going to be two serves, we have to get some kind of video evidence of how it went, don't we? Someone someone's got to put a phone down and what uh, send this to us. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can make that happen. But um, yeah, so I like it. Uh, Hey, Anyone hey, who's listening, you've missed it already because it happened yesterday. That's true. We'll we'll get our our we'll get out there and maybe, uh, and live stream. Maybe we'll try and we'll try and edit it a bit quicker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there, we, there we go. There we go. Hey, uh, by the way, I I I Ben's heard me say this a million times already, but I think probably one of the best matches I've ever seen, certainly in person, but actually it was it was live streamed was a pro flight event. Uh, Drew, take you want to take a guess with. Mm -hmm. What what that match was? I think it was, it was uh, Fraser Morgan versus mm -hmm. uh, Johan Steven <laughs> at Fiddler's Elbow. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. First season of Pro Flight, right? It was the. Uh, I think it was the first season. I think it. I think it was. That was yeah. the first season. At I put. I actually put Adam and Tyler together for that match. Oh no, kidding! For that tournament, that yeah. They owe. They owe it all to you. They, they, well, not yet. They gotta, they gotta win a national championship before I take any credit. Um, but, but yeah, that, but they that, are, that they got one team. in them. They're a great team, and uh, mm -hmm. and and they they beat Johan and Steven. It, by the way, it wasn't the first pro flight event. No, not the first event, but the first year, I think. Right? I think that was the first year. But that was that was an amazing event. I mean, that that was an amazing. The, the event was great. Fiddlers. Fiddler's yeah. elbow, where Dave Broderick's the director, was a was a great site to host it at. But that that match was an absolutely unbelievable match. It's out there. That might have been the, that might have been Pro Flight the third year. Mm, that it one hundred percent wasn't the first year. Okay, 
All right. Well, regardless, it's on, it's on live stream. It's available. It's if you have the time to watch it, it's an amazing match to watch. That's sure. definitely a must watch match. Yep. Yes. Yes. That was, that was just crazy. I mean, Adam and Tyler were unbelievably battling and, and uh, it was crazy. Great match. Yeah, to watch. Easily, easily one of the best matches I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and one I was glad well, I wasn't in the chair for, cause I was in the chair for like the match before then. And I'd never done it before and somebody didn't show up. So I had to go up there and, uh, I, I have a whole new respect now for umpires because you have to plan how much you're drinking beforehand, you know, when you have to go to the bathroom, how cold it is up there, all those kind of things that never even think about. So whole new respect for that. What Noah is telling you is he peed his pants. Yeah. Just about. There's, you know, and I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. So being up 12 feet or whatever in the air was, uh, was, wasn't expecting that one either. So. But uh, yeah, is, great it, event. is that that's the match, right? Where you where you told Adam, holy crap, no, no, that was like on. some of the best paddle I've ever seen. <laughs> and Adam responded, when you don't watch me play battle very much then? <laughs> that might have been. <laughs> that might have been. Be. I love Adam Morgan. He's <laughs> awesome. Hey, hey, real, real quick. You mentioned uh, uh, Halloween was the reason you couldn't go to Baltimore. We know it's your favorite holiday of the year. What was uh, what was the theme this year? What did you go as? What did you do? What was the family? So the theme was villains, and I I did not participate in a family costume. I was I was, I went rogue. So I was the um, I was the puppet from Saw. And I had oh, a life size jigsaw, I had a life size right? yeah. tricycle and all, which <laughs> which took me weeks to get and have modified to look exactly like the saw bicycle. And I'll send you guys I'll send you a picture. Um and I won the contest this year. Nice. Yeah. Just and what was the, the family? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um James was a donut. Meryl was <laughs> um, um, mommy dearest. Vince was Vince was nothing because he's too cool. He's eleven, and then he uh, actually yeah. took my yep. costume to go trick or treating. So, yeah, nice. Well, to, just to tie the two together, Hall Halloween and Pro Flight, uh, and you talked about Westchester Country Club. That was an amazing event. At Westchester for Halloween several years back. Nice Blow little out crash event. over there. Blowout yeah. event. I'll tell you. That's, that's what I was told. Wes, I was talking to Modic. <laughs> I was talking to Modic about it uh, the other night. The very, very first um, very first pro flight was at Westchester Country Club. And it was like the biggest, fanciest, most high-end paddle event I could have ever imagined still to this day um such a cool time and the following year they backed it up with a sick halloween party there was a pro squash event going on so they threw this full-on costume party for the pros squash paddle members um yeah westchester country club does an amazing job and uh yeah it's funny we were reminiscing about that last night You want to talk about uh, uh, this weekend, Ben? With uh, I was the... just I was going to ask Drew. I was looking at the draw, and there was one match that popped up. I was like, "Ooh!" I wondered if it had ever happened before. Uh, you and Jared playing against each other. Has well, have you guys ever for, played against for, each other for, for more for, for more color? So Jared Palmer, who Drew won three national championships with, yeah, uh, playing against Drew. Yeah, you got to sometimes you got to you know set the stage and there people living under a rock that listen yeah. to this show come on man everyone is jared and drew not every not everyone's <laughs> as hardcore as us right you might have some rookies come on now have you guys ever played each other before um so we've played each other before we were partners and before we really knew each other okay and then obviously we played together for about seven years or so and we just played this past summer in a pro flight event, a couple sets and APTA 
uh, Saturday was the first time we ever played first an APTA time. tournament against each other. So to answer your question, APTA this weekend, um, this past summer was the first time we competitively played against each other outside of practice matches. So what people don't know is when Jared's in the area, we practice together a lot, still play against each other a lot. And, uh, um, it's funny when you see us at tournaments, we gravitate towards each other and watch matches and talk about it and hang out. Um, like, like we always did. So. So when you guys are playing against each other and you know, when you know, partners go to go, go talk to each other and the other teams down the other end, are you standing there going, I know what that motherfucker's talking about. I know what he's saying. Do you guys know each other's game so well, you know what he's talking about and vice versa. He might know what you're going to say. Um, no, I'll tell you when, when the draw came out and, and actually I didn't even see the draw. I got a text message from a few people and they said, Hey, do you see you're playing Jared second round? Um, to me, it, w- it was just a little bit more kind of emotional. Like, Hey, we haven't played each other in an APTA event and you know, that's my guy. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good match. It wasn't. Um, there was no, like, I have to beat him and I doubt he cares if he has <laughs> no. to beat me. Um, and you know, it's whether I'm practicing with Jared or, or playing against him, it's, it's, you know, just the run that we had was, was unbelievable. And, um, it's still awesome that he still, you know, that he still plays. So, you know, he's living between New York and Sweden and everything else. But uh, but I definitely thought about it more than most matches. Like, what's it going to be like? And I actually tagged him a couple uh-huh. times, and I felt so <laughs> bad. But I had to do it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, um, can That's, you, uh, but he's a big he's a big Padel guy these days, right? Sorry, Noah. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He plays he plays a ton of Padel in Sweden. I think mostly. Um, he said, he says it's huge there. And, um, yeah, I mean, Jared's a competitor. I mean, whether it's Padel or still training high level juniors or college players, uh, in tennis and the fact that, you know, he's playing Long Island, he's playing Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, it just goes to show why, why he's got the credentials that he does. Most, most people, or I should say 99.9% of rackets players or competitors I know couldn't do what he still does. So, um, I mean, he's the man, he made me a professional. Um, so, yeah. And and, and he's obviously in great shape, but he's what, is he 51? Yeah. 51 or 52. Yeah. I mean, so he's, he's what, like five, probably five years older than anybody else. You know, there's a core group of you guys that are, kind of at the same ish age level right but he's probably five years at least older than most of the guys i think i mean put it this way between me me johan and and juan are 46 jared's probably 51 uh everyone else seems to be 28 to 32 so. <laughs> I was about to say, screw the young guys. We should just make these '90s tournaments badass these days. Just get rid of get rid of like the 35 year old and younger, and just make the '90s. Put money up for those and make those much stronger. Yeah, well, that's I mean, the way that, to do it. That, that's probably a good thing, good thing to talk about. Why don't you? Can we kind of shift gears and talk about the way paddles moving now? Obviously, you've seen this year. You've seen a lot of young guys. I mean, whether it was Russell and Chris winning this weekend, or whether it's it's Guillermo Nunez, uh, Jose Salazar, uh, Alvi Regalado. I mean, all these guys obviously have came, come on strong, won a few tournaments, gone deep in tournaments. Uh, you just see all these all these younger players. Can you talk about, from your perspective, kind of the way Paddle is is going now? Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing a lot more, um, a lot more high level tennis players coming into the game taking it serious right from the beginning, um, you know, having a real incentive to, to win versus like, I'll be honest, when I first started playing paddle hooked me because of the off court 
social camaraderie. Um, and I could say not in a bad way, just in a different way. Paddle huts seem a little bit more tennis like when you go to some of these bigger events where the players aren't um, kind of in the mix with each other as much as it used to be. They're a little bit more serious and focused on, and I don't, not, not even serious, but a little bit more focused just on the match and not so much talking to their potential opponents and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, the game has gotten more competitive and, and just the evolution of every sport goes that way. Um, you know, it's, it's disappointing is a bad word because it's not for me. I knew it was going to evolve this way, but, um, it makes me look back on, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I first started and I, and I wasn't that great at paddle, but I enjoyed every minute in the paddle hut of the laughs and, and, and just the jokes that the men and women would, would kind of, um, put out there. And so I think it's changing a little bit. Um, because, because again, there's younger, more competitive people, um, playing the game coming right off of their competitive tennis, um, you know, background. Um, do you so, think some, and, of the, some of that's changing too with, I mean, we, you know, we talked about having more fans out. I'm assuming that 15 years ago, there probably weren't the spectators. Maybe there were, but you tell me, were there the spectators and the crowd sizes that we have now for some of the bigger events? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll stay, I'll say there are plenty of events still to this day that I don't think they should have events because they don't get the spectators. And then there are other events that I think they should just keep uh, embracing. Hey, we want you to keep running events and, um, I think I think the players thrive on the spectators, and mm-hmm. um, I think every region that hosts an event, or I should say, clubs that clubs in every region that host an event, there should be some sort of, um, um, you know, there should be some sort of 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 commitment to getting groups of people to come out and watch. You know, we talked about it earlier. I think people need to be in charge of, of spectators. And, you know, that's that's what makes an event. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, no, I talked to you. I, I'm so glad Drew, Drew said it's like the junior tennis. I wasn't a big fan of all the, the fist pumping and the yelling and the coming on. It started feeling more like junior tennis to me. Uh, you know, which it's changing. I just figure I'm a grumpy old man at this point. I don't like the bullshit, but, uh, there might be some truth. Yeah. It's just the, Oh, hundred percent. It's the truth. That's why I I went hunting the other week instead of playing a paddle tournament. (laughs) You know, I want to be away, away, away from people. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, everything's got younger these days. Right. That's, that's it. Hey, uh, you know, speaking of things that have been going on for a long time, um, Drew, you want to talk about uh, the camps that you've had going for, I don't know, how many years have you had camps going now? That's a, that's a better question. Okay. So um, Pro Flight's been going on, uh, Pro Flight, Telluride Paddle Camp's been going on for 15 years now. Yep. And Noah, you know it very well. You've been a, you've been a camper. <laughs> um, I feel uh, old to we, say a camper, but yeah. <laughs> listen you're all my campers um i i started a camp up in lake george with patty hogan up in ticonderoga we've been doing that now for three years um patty's been doing it for uh quite a amount, amount of time longer than me but um that's such a great spot and easy to get to from you know the northeast area clubs um I'm working on and have done uh, some camps out in Park City and and hoping to have more of a future out there. Uh, tournaments, camps, a lot of good stuff. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. And um, yeah, I, I love the preseason camps. I, I'm, I'm a big fan and supporter of, of all the pros who are starting camps up. And uh, I, I think the, um, I think the support from the club members 
is awesome. I think so many people go to multiple camps, which is really cool. And, and I think, uh, you know, I'm excited to just try to come up with new ideas to, to separate myself from, from the, the current, uh, blueprint of camps. So that's, that's also on my list. Yeah, no, Telluride is fantastic. So, I mean, we went to Telluride, I don't know, four or five times maybe. And it was, uh, it was, it was a blast. Absolutely. So big you endorsement. And, you, for that. you and Terry? Terry and I, yeah. And our, we, we had a rotating uh -huh. cast of characters. Yes. But yeah, no, a ton of fun out there. So, and uh, uh, to sign up, uh, if people want to look and, and kind of lock in spaces early, uh, what's the, what's the website for the, for Telluride? Um, you know what, for, for Telluride, because we are under the radar, you could, uh, you could email me directly at dbroderick at canoebrook.org. And, uh, you get all your information from there. I mean, Telluride has been, like I said, 15 years and we, we have some campers that have been out 12 years or so. And most of our groups come from tangents of previous years, all the, 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 the people have come out and supported us get first rights to the future um, season. It's not a, it's not a huge, um, there's not a huge window to, to come out. We usually keep it to three sessions. So um, it's kind of a first come first serve from previous camper. So um, if you email me or you could even um, text me, uh, that works. You can message Noah and then he'll give you my number if you're serious. I'm not putting it out there. I don't want any funny business. You don't want your groupies getting getting a hold of that. For a good time, call Drew. Yeah, I don't I don't want I don't want uh Lugo getting some crazy ideas of like flooding my my text messaging. Oh jeez. There you go. Um so Drew, you oh, seem man. like a guy that uh, uh, likes to think outside the box. Uh, just getting to talk to you a little bit right now. What uh, you know, we were talking about spectators earlier um, in the podcast. What what do you think is something that would make paddle as a sport uh, grow in viewership and be more uh, entertaining for people who don't? maybe understand the sport uh, as well to appreciate what's going on on the court? Two, two serves. So they hit the first one bigger. <laughs> it gets really exciting. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that one, Ben. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I always look at the extremes, right? So when you talk about spectators, are you talking about live? Or are you talking about sitting on your couch, right? I mean, there's fishing on ESPN. So what's what's the reason for that? Like, how do they get viewers for that? People need uh, to fall and asleep. Then, and then there's live. And then there's live. And it's like, how do you get people to X Games? Because at X Games, without the off-course activities, X Games is not that fun to be at. But it's a show within the show or outside of the show, however you want to look at it. So paddle is a sport in which I think, um, you know, it's just an interesting question. I, th I think, listen, first off, people who are paddle players play multiple times a week. They talk about it seven days a week. They think about it eight days a week. So when you, listen you run to podcasts. Level of, when you run run a high level event, the question is to the club player, like, why wouldn't you go there? I spoke to another pro today on my way from Pittsburgh, and I won't name him, but he said, you know, it's funny because he asked me about what was the Pittsburgh crowd like. And I said, to be honest, at Fox Chapel, it was a very consistent, strong crowd from morning tonight and he had said yeah you know what it's funny because in certain areas that have a lot of strong level pros it's harder to keep that crowd for a longer time because they're used to seeing that level of play for that you know just in general 
So um, it's just, I think it's a, the, the, the region you're in, if you're talking about in person, if it's online, I think it's, you know, like, I don't know online. I really don't know because everybody I talk to who watches paddle online are just paddle junkies. Right. But I actually have stopped and watched cornhole for a little bit on ESPN. (laughs) I've watched fishing for a little bit on ESPN. I've, I've watched darts on ESPN. Right. So I don't, I don't have the answer because that's, that's not my expertise, but, but it's, it's not, it's not speeding up the sport. It's not making the sport more interesting because fishing is a lot more boring than paddle that I'm going to stand by. All right. I don't have to compare it to pickleball. I don't have to compare paddle to padel or tennis. I'm just going to go on the record and say, watching a paddle match is more, more entertaining than watching a guy fish fair very very or 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 i'm gonna go back to noah's day and say it's more entertaining than watching bob ross paint <laughs> thanks well i i think the way i've, I've explained it to people too is it's kind of like hockey i mean with uh, people always talk about hockey and and you know drew i know you go to a lot a uh, fair number of hockey games Watching hockey on TV is one thing, but being there is another. And I think with high level paddle, it's watching live streaming is great, but but watching it and watching high level paddle in person is just so much different than watching it on a live stream could be, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. So uh Noah's reading, son. There you go. Yeah, no, but uh, you you know what? We're getting. I just realized we're getting kind of late, Ben. You want to do your? Uh, you want to do your famous? Get them out of here. Twenty and one twenty. All right, Drew. There are uh, one or the other questions. We got 20, 20 of them in uh, hundred and twenty seconds. Two minutes. You ready? Go. Let me let me set my alarm clock. I'm not ready. Where are we at? All right, let's go. Cutter or waterfall? Cutter. Appetizer or dessert? Appetizer. Apple or Android? Apple. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Oh, come on. Uh, Aliens or Bigfoot? Aliens. Uh, Okay. Third set or PFP breaker? Breaker. Yes. Uh, Electric or American muscle? Electric. Yes, car. Uh... (laughs) Ice cream or cake? Ice cream. Dine-in or delivery? Dine-in. Ranch or blue cheese? Neither. Oh, man. All right. This is Noah's favorite. Fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Definitely 100 horse-sized ducks. No, wait, wait. yeah, whatever. Duck sized horses. <laughs> hundred duck sized horses. Uh, pizza or tacos? Oh, God. Pizza. Documentary or movie? Documentary. Puffy or crunchy Cheetos? Puffy. Nice. That's the way. Uh, last couple. Uh, messy desk or clean desk? Clean desk. Rich and famous or rich and unknown? Rich and famous. Nice. All right. Uh, TV on or off to sleep? On. Driver or passenger? Driver. Last one. Favorite swear word? Fuck. Absolutely. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) I had to change that one. (laughs) Yes, you did. it confused people the way I asked it before. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. And it might be the first guest to ever finish all 20 seconds in 120. Although I'm guessing you oh, did I 20. I don't know that we, we counted, but um, maybe you did. I did 23. Oh, I kept there going. You go. There yeah. you go. That was good. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, fine work. You know what? I, I got to, uh, I'll, I'll do an it. addendum here telling that, telling the, uh, the team national story. Cause we do have to get that in for, uh, for Dave Williams, the one you, 
You put on the outline. You did the outline. Team. You did the outline. I will. We'll, we'll go over it. Wait, I didn't right. put anything. All, all right, guys, me. I got a job. All right, all right, Drew. Thank. Hey, thanks so much for your time. And uh, again, thanks for everything for for what you do for Paddle Buddy. Thank you, guys. You're the best. Pre- right. Appreciate it. I was going to tell a joke, but I'll tell it to you next time when we're off air. I'll see you. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Probably, probably hey, by see. the way, I'm just going to tell you my Christmas tree fell down. That's why I got to go. Bye. Uh, there you go. Oh, see, ya. see ya. Okay. I forgot to give a plug to one event that I promised I would. It's the first year for this women's APTA tour event, the Milton Point Cup in Rye, New York. It's proudly being hosted by the Coveley Club, the American Yacht Club, and the Shenorock Shore Club. It is a one-day event, Saturday, January 6th from 9.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. Come on out and watch the top women's players in the country. i, I got to give the, da- the, the, okay. uh, the Dave Williams plug from uh, Team Nationals. And N- Noble, you played Team Nationals as well, so you, you might have you been there for this. But uh, one of the guys who came for Team Nobu, Nationals. Nobu, Nobu was a runner-up at Team Nationals. Did you know that? Runner-up, I, didn't get the I, medal. It's close. No, but... I, I, I heard there was a, there was a strong <laughs> loser. Who won the who won the medal at team nationals? But uh, we we did our team nationals recap, and I couldn't remember who had this great story about all the effort to get there. And uh, and I asked a few people that I knew, and it was actually one of my friends who who had the good story, and I completely forgot. So uh, this is for Dave Williams out of the previously aforementioned uh, Hinsdale Paddle Club. But so Dave Dave Williams' uh, family was on a spring break trip. And their flight back to Chicago was canceled because of the storms that we had uh, that that canceled his canceled the flight mm-hmm. back. So he bought the I think he was out. Uh, they say, oh, yeah, he's in. I, I think he was out in, in California. I want to say I uh, thought he was in Park City. Maybe he's in Park City. You're right. So uh, he bought the the only ticket on the only plane claiming it would drop him in Chicago that night. The only ticket was a first-class ticket for $1,500, so he could get there the night before Team Nationals started. He left his family in Salt Lake City, boarded the plane, and proceeded to get his money's worth of IPAs on the plane. Turned on the movie Maverick. 60 minutes in, the captain says they're taking a different flight route. 60 minutes later, while going to the bathroom, the captain says they're now landing in Detroit, which, for those of you not in Chicago, is not terribly close. It's... Four four plus hours away, they land in mm-hmm. Detroit eleven o'clock, the eleven p.m. the night before Team Nationals starts. What at eight o'clock the next morning? Uh-huh. They start talking about some morning flight they can grab to get back to Chicago. Dave said, "F that, grabbing a rental car and start driving." <laughs> Drove four and a half hours through the same storms that forced them to land in Detroit instead of Chicago. Gets home at three a.m. Packs his bag for Team Nationals and set three alarms. Mark Perry, who's a fantastic host, if you ever go to uh, go to a paddle camp, by the way, Mark Perry picks him up at six thirty a.m. Three and a half hours later, first match was at eight a.m. with Perry. He said it's all a blur after that, but adrenaline got him through as well as some Red Bulls. And then, <laughs> this is dedication. Then he went back and met up with his family in California two days later. Uh, and these kids graduated from the food allergy program. Incredible few days, and he would do it again in a heartbeat. But that is the dedication of a paddle player. You talk uh-huh. about, you know, Drew talks about talking about paddle seven days a week or eight days a week or whatever it is. You know, that uh, that Dave Williams is showing some paddle dedication all, going through all that to get to Team Nationals. So that was impressive. So shout out to Dave since uh, I forgot him before. <laughs> Good man. All right. And on that note, uh, let's wrap this one up then. Done. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Nobu. Yeah, Thank thanks. you, guys. Thanks, Nobu. Uh, Nobu Tanaka for pride of uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area. Thanks for being on tonight, Ben. And uh, most of all, Drew Broderick from Canooper Country Club and the uh, host of the uh, founder of the uh, Tell You Live Paddle Camp as well as Pro Flight Paddle. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening today. And uh, Check out the next one. See ya.